Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Danielle Tavalos. Danielle is a conversion copywriter and the owner of Basic Girl Marketing. She helps service-based business owners make more sales through writing effective sales copy on their sales pages, funnels, and websites. Danielle is a wife, mom, and avid Starbucks drinker. She loves a good workout, is obsessed with professional development, and loves working with people changing the world one life at a time. So I'm so excited to have Danielle here today to chat all about sales funnels. So let's just dive right in. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to chat all about how to build a sales funnel that converts with you. So before we dive into the episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And yeah, so a little bit about my background. I am actually a teacher by trade. So I taught elementary, middle and high school for 12 years. And on the side, I always kind of had a desire to run things on my own. I really um, love the process of building and starting a business. And it's kind of taken me a bunch of different ways. And so um, initially I tried a couple of MLMs and it just wasn't my thing. I wanted something that was really my own. And so I ended up becoming a certified personal trainer. And at the time I was living overseas and so I couldn't train in person. I had to train online. And um, so I had to learn this whole world of online marketing. I had started working with a coach and she actually owned a digital marketing marketing agency on the side. And um, when we ended up moving back to the state, she asked if I wanted to be her writer. Um, because I had written a blog, we adopted our daughters from Ethiopia and I'd written a blog for a long time. It was kind of faith-based and about parenting and all those things. And um, so I agreed to be her writer and ended up writing for her and all of her digital marketing clients. And um, what that kind of gave me insight into is kind of these women building their businesses and everybody was doing it a little bit differently. Like there wasn't just this one way. I mean, I was working on my own personal training business, which eventually I realized I like the business side of things and marketing side of things better than actually training people. Um, but I got to see the different types of programs people were offering as a copywriter. I was like behind the scenes. So I got to see uh, different types of sales funnels, different types of launch strategies, just a whole bunch of variations. And, um, I don't know, it just gave me a really unique perspective on things. I, as that person's agency grew, I ended up getting a little bit burned out. I was still teaching full-time coaching and kind of swore off business altogether. Um, love that person in their agency, but um, just was really like, I'm done, I'm just going to be a teacher and live my life. And like a month later, just got super bored and was like, I'm going to start something else. So I dove into um, marketing strategy for personal trainers and was doing pretty well there, but was still teaching, running up against kind of the, you know, time for like your hours. You know, I was, um, my dollars for hours was kind of what it was looking like. And so um, working full time and I was coaching cheerleading that just, I would come home and 
meet clients for four hours, you know, back to back. And um, one of the things that continued to come up for them was their content strategy. Um, we would talk about setting up sales funnels and halfway through I would realize like they thought they had set one up and it just wasn't really cutting it. Um, sales pages were really rough. They didn't know what to write and they were experts at, you know, health, fitness, wellness. They weren't necessarily experts at marketing and writing. So in January, I switched back over solely to copywriting, which was my roots kind of, um, but I went back to doing that and specifically focused on sales copywriting. So conversion um, friendly copywriting, basically I want to write things that are going to get your people to take action. And so whether that's to opt in for a free offer or to make a purchase of some kind, um, the copy is designed uh, to do that, whether that's front end of an ad, inside of a sales funnel, on a sales page, social media posts, wherever you're using writing to communicate, that is where I come in. I love that. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with, like sales copy in specific. Like personally, I'm a social media manager and I can do social media posts for people all day. But when it comes to like sales stuff, it's a completely different thing. Like it's just, it takes I don't know, for some reason you just have to shift your brain and kind of get in the sales copy mode. And it's just, I can't switch very well. And I know a lot of other people struggle with that too. So I think that's something that like a lot of people really need. Um, and sales funnels are just kind of scary to people in general. Like people are hear that word and they're like, what is that? Like, what do I have to do? Then they think it involves a lot of writing and a lot of crazy tech stuff. And it doesn't need to be, that crazy. I mean, obviously it needs to convert, but it doesn't need to be some crazy technical nightmare just to um, get people to make purchases. So, yeah, I agree. I think definitely there's two types of content that you're always putting out your nurture content, which is just really value based. Um, you're just there to provide tips, tricks, encouragement, inspiration for your ideal clients. And then there is um, sales copy that is designed to get people to take action and you don't want to have your content too heavily weighted with sales copy but you don't want to have none of it either because you won't have a business so exactly. Exactly. you need to have some of it woven into your social media strategy your email marketing strategy on your website you've got to have it there and you've got to learn how to do it well so exactly so kind of for starters if people don't know what a sales funnel is or what it really entails they just heard the word and aren't quite familiar with what that all means so what exactly is that yeah so i think in today's online world it's kind of become this ridiculous thing really all a sales funnel is is if you picture a funnel um, that you would use in your kitchen it is bringing um, someone from a place where they're a completely cold lead, somebody who does not know you, does not have any connection to you at all. And, you know, you want to typically bring in a lot of those people. And then you kind of bring them through a process of nurturing them so that at the bottom of the funnel, they are ready to make a purchase from you. And it doesn't have to be, like you said, it doesn't have to be super complicated. It doesn't have to be super long. It doesn't have to be super techie. There are a million ways to create a funnel, but in essence, you're taking someone from cold lead who doesn't know you to a customer or client. Yeah, and there's so many different ways to do sales funnels so you can do. For me, my main sales generator is via Pinterest. So that's my sales funnel. And it doesn't feel as scary because it's literally just like, here's a pin leading to a blog post, leading yeah. to a freebie. And that's just like super easy because it's not like 
I don't really have to sell anyone. They're already just clicking and interested. Um, but other places you might have to be a little more strategic on that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a little, and that's what I prefer. So if you're one of the people that are like, nope, this sounds really scary, then maybe start with something a little less like hands-on like Pinterest. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you're bringing somebody that's cold into your world and trying to sell them something eventually, you've created a sales funnel. So every Facebook advertisement for a webinar, a challenge, a um, free download, all of those are going to lead you through some type of sales funnel because that person, even if they're not doing it immediately, just bring you on their email list, they're going to at some point sell something. Exactly. So your sales funnel might be really short where it's like freebie, then purchase, purchase, or it could be something where it's freebie, nurture email sequence for a long time. And then you just put them on your list and you don't sell anything till you launch. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be in your face sales funnel, but it could be, or it could be something that maybe you don't sell to that person for two months. Yeah. You're just getting them there nurturing them. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, cool. Now you're ready. Yeah. Um, it really depends on like the product too. Like if you're offering like a $97 offer versus like a thousand dollar offer, it's going to take different times to nurture those people. And yeah. Prime to buy. Yep, 100%. It totally depends on your offer. It depends on whether it's evergreen or whether you're somebody who launches like pretty regularly. Um, it depends on where you're getting your traffic from. If you're running a Facebook ad to your warm market, people who like your page and have interacted with your videos, that's going to be a lot shorter of a funnel than somebody who's just a cold Facebook lead or a Pinterest lead that's doesn't even know you they just found your pin and are going to your website exactly yeah it just really depends so what is kind of your favorite type of sales funnel to create and help clients with do you have one um so it really depends and I as a copywriter really really stress that there's no one way to do it and I think people come into this with like I'm gonna do this I need I need the webinar and the tripwire and this and that is just one way to do it um a couple of trends that I'm seeing, um, people, it's harder to do a, a passive evergreen webinar funnel than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, people know it's coming. Mm -hmm. They are weary of signing up. If they do sign up, they're not watching the webinars as much. So you, when you're looking at a webinar, you really need to have your emails that follow segmented well. So you need emails for people who've watched but didn't buy, you need emails for people who didn't watch, and you need to make sure that you're kind of tracking um, who's opening what so that you can present them the right content. Yeah. Um, challenges are doing a little bit better, specifically challenges inside of groups because people seem to want um, a high touch with the person who's created the challenge. Uh, they want community and they want to feel part of something. So those are doing a little bit better. Um, but it is super industry specific. If you are a lawyer and you're selling, um, contract templates, then a simple checklist of how to keep yourself legal could be all you need, like a one page checklist. So, um, it really does depend on what your industry is. Again, what you said, how much is the thing you're trying to sell? Mm -hmm. Um, if you're selling a really high-end coaching program, you're going to want to do a pretty in-depth and massively powerful challenge because if they're going to give you five, six, ten thousand $10,000, then people want to know that you know your stuff, that you are the type of person they want to work with, and that's going to come from them seeing you over time. So mm -hmm. it just depends, too, you know, what you're trying to sell. 
Totally. Yeah. I think, I think that's great. And I think, yeah, for me personally, I think challenges convert better too than webinars. Webinars used to convert really well. Um, but like you said, people are expecting the pitch at the end. So they either dip out before the pitch or they don't come at all and they watch it on their own time, which isn't going to be as impactful for the seller because a lot of people thrive off of that live energy or if it's evergreen, you know, it still feels better and people are more inclined to hit buy on that actual webinar versus like some emails later in the, you know, so. Yeah. If you have a webinar, you really want to focus on massive value so that at the end of it, people are so blown away by what you've shared that they want more. Um, And then your best strategy within your emails is to really make sure that you are um, talking about the bonuses and the things that will expire if they don't opt in now and then really addressing their objections because you're still kind of cold, especially if it's an evergreen webinar. Um, it still kind of feels distant and cold. And so you want to make sure that you are really, really saying, Hey, I know this is a lot of money and you might not know me. Here's why you should jump into this. Yeah. Um, so you just want to make sure your emails are really geared towards that. If you're going to go the evergreen webinar route. Yeah. And it, or if you decide to do a challenge or something and it's an evergreen challenge, maybe like making like videos that go along with it so that people can kind of still get that like face to face time with you, even though it's not live. Cause I feel like a lot of people will really need that like video connection with you. So when I like run a live challenge, I usually do videos in my Facebook group that are live, but then I like save them for later so that, you know, they can actually like be evergreen versus just like, okay, here's a challenge, but I'm not going to do videos anymore because I only did this one time live. So I think that's another good way to kind of like give people, um, more of you, but not like where you're constantly like burnt out from live launching 24 seven. Yeah, totally. That's a great way to keep your content and use it evergreen after the launch. So let's just kind of dive into the big question. How can we actually build a sales funnel that is going to convert for our audience? I know it's going to depend on our offer, what it is, how much it costs, all that stuff. And does it take a lot of testing and trial and error to kind of just see what is going to be the best fit for us as a business owner and our audience as well? Yeah. So the short answer is yes, it does take testing. The long, the longer answer is there's no like simple formula, but everything in copywriting and marketing starts with just a couple of basic principles. And if you can master those then it will not matter what your form, what your funnel looks like, what social media platform you're using. So the first one is not just people always talk about knowing your ideal client, but what most people never tap into is the actual language their ideal clients are using. You really, really, really need to not just understand like where the people live and what they want. You need to understand the actual words they're saying to describe their problems and their desired outcomes. Those are your two things you really want to know. What is their major pain point? And usually as a pro, you describe it differently. So the example I always give is I used to work with a lot of health and fitness pros. And if you are a personal trainer and nutrition coach, you hate it when people talk about being toned because you know that there is no such thing as being toned. It's really just having, building your muscle mass and decreasing your fat. But every sales page email funnel I've ever written for a health and weight loss program has always used the word tone because when you ask someone what they want, 
they want to lose weight and they want to get toned and pretty universally men and women will say that word over and over. And so the fitness pros like, no, this is like the health, this is what's right. And they're right. They are 100% right. But unfortunately their person isn't there yet. So Mm -hmm. your goal is to use the language your person's using to describe their problem and their desires. And then once they're in your program, you teach them about that. You teach them that there isn't really such thing as home. You actually want to build muscle and burn fat. And here's how you do that. So you really, really need to use their words. Um, and the other major mistake people make in their funnels on their sales pages is they just focus on like the bells and whistles of their program. So they want to say like, you're going to get this many calls and this many things. And nobody cares about that. They really want to know, will you give me the transformation I'm looking for? So at the end of the day, you might have in in an email funnel that's 10 emails long, you might have one or two that focus on what actually comes in the program and the rest is dealing with the pain that the person's feeling and why. Mm -hmm. You always want to have one part of your funnel validate that because when people feel that they are understood, they're much more likely to listen to what comes next. So you want to validate their pain, you want to explain it in a way that shows you understand it. Then you want to present a way out. There's a solution here for you. And it's just a general solution. Like if, um, if you are a, you're running a business and you're teaching somebody, um, you're a Facebook ad specialist, your specialty, what you do is you bring in more leads so that that local business can make more sales, right? So they're over here saying things like, I don't have enough people buying. I can't get enough clients, right? Those are the things they're saying, you know, okay, well to get a conversion rate, uh, if you want three new people every day, that means you've got to bring in at a 5% conversion rate, you've got to bring in a hundred people. I'm sorry, if you want five people, you've got to bring in a hundred people to get a 5% conversion rate, right? So their problem is not, they don't have customers. Their problem is they don't have enough leads walking in the door Mm -hmm. to convert customers. So you meet them there and say, Hey, that's okay. Because you've been taught that you just need to wait when people come in the door. No one's actually helping you bring those people in the door so that you can sell and convert them. Right? So then you say, but there's a solution. There's a way to get more leads and that's what we're all about. So you're saying, Hey, there's a way to get 50, 20, 30 new people in your doors every day. If you learn how to target your ads effectively, if you learn how to speak your ideal client's language, and if you learn how to provide an offer that's irresistible, you will have more people walking in your doors, which means you'll be able to make more sales. So you kind of say there's this general solution out there. It's possible. You can do it. And then you position yourself as the only provider of that solution that makes sense for them. So this is where you say, like, we have done this for countless businesses just like yours. We took, we've taken people from three leads to a thousand leads. I'm just making numbers up. Um, you know, we've taken businesses from, you know, $4,000 a month to $4 million a month. Like you, this is where you begin to say, there's a solution out there. You need more leads. We're the business that's going to help you get more leads and how, and then the last part of your funnel needs to be dealing again with those objections. Why would somebody not want to hire you? And people get really afraid of this. They don't want to talk about objections because they think they're going to push people away. But the thing is that the objections are in their head. They're already thinking it's too much money. It's too much time. Well, it's not going to work for me. So you have to say, Hey, this is going to cost you money. I understand it feels like a lot. Here's why it's worth it. 
this is going to take a little bit of faith on your part because there's going to be a testing period and we're going to need to fix your ads and play with them and get them all just right so that you can get in your lead. So it's going to feel scary and you need to talk about those things because they're sitting on them and they're thinking about them and you need to say they're real. That's okay. But it's going to be worth it because what is your business going to look like when we finally get a hundred people walking in your door every day? So you have to talk about those and you have to be willing to address the Um, so your final step of the funnel is creating a sense of urgency and like a fear of missing out. You want to really paint this picture of how amazing their life would be with you in it and how rough their life's going to be with you outside of it. And you always want to present kind of a crossroads of like, you can keep doing things how you've been doing, or you can DIY it and you can waste thousands of dollars and lots of time, or you can just let us handle this as pros and take this off your plate so you can focus on the things that really matter in your business. And so you want to create that sense of like, it's the balls in your court. Mm -hmm. I'm here to answer any questions, but make your decision. And just know that with each decision you make, like there's a consequence, good and bad. So if you decide to go on your own, yes, you won't spend the money that you would to work with me, but you're going to spend X, Y, Z. If you decide to go with me, yes, you're going to have to spend time and money on this, but here's the outcome. And so you always want to paint that picture for your people at the end of the funnel mm -hmm. and create a sense of like, it's going to be gone soon. So get your booty inside. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really, really key. Basically everything you said, like knowing what your customer's language is. And like you said, like the tone example, like you're not just going to tell them like something, even though it is true, you want them to resonate with it because if they don't, if they read it and they're like, what then they're definitely not gonna buy from you so like what i like to do personally in that regard is um i have a free facebook group group specifically for social media managers and i sell a membership for social media managers like becoming productive and profitable as social media managers so with that i uh, use the facebook group to ask like the three questions like when they come in and that's where I gather like their biggest struggles as a social media manager. And then from there, that's how I was able to build my framework because the biggest things were attracting clients, figuring out pricing um, and how it's going to be like sustainable and how many clients they need to take on to actually make um, a profit. And then also um, keeping managing their clients. So like having a good client management system. So they're like, even if they do have a lot of clients, it's not overwhelming and they can keep track of everything. So I kind of based that off of what my group members were telling me and they didn't even know like what that, they just thought they were answering questions to get into a group. So I think that's an easy like way to do it with, you know, some people are scared to get on the phone with people. Um, and like in that aspect, so they're like, Oh, I'm just doing a market research call. Like not really having anything to provide them. They're providing me with stuff. So that's an easy way to kind of get that um, information from people without having to hop on the phone. Yeah, totally. You can do that. You can um, ask some people, ask your previous clients. One of the greatest things you can do is get language from your previous client sent out um, a Google form. I do this for every copywriting client I have. I ask them to send the form out to their ideal clients. Um, a lot of my people will come to me with market research interviews that they've recorded. Mm -hmm. um, if not, you can look at 
competitors and, and the people do this really wrong. Don't look at competitors in the words that they're using, but check out their testimonials hmm. uh, because their testimonials, if they have an, a, a similar ideal client, their yeah. testimonials will give you the language of the client. So be very careful to not just rip off someone else's wording, branding, messaging, because it won't work, number one. And also, it just makes you super shady. But right. um, look at their customers and what they're saying, because if their customers are like the kinds of people you want to work with, then that language will be helpful to you. Yeah, I love that tip. And that's like an easy way to kind of just do it without having to get on the phone with people if that's something that mm -hmm. bothers you. But mm -hmm. I mean, if you really can get on the phone with people, I think that's like the best option because um, you're able to really ask questions and continue the conversation versus mm -hmm. like, here's like five questions that I want answered. And then, you know, like if, if you're on the phone, you can kind of inquire about more. So like, mm -hmm. why do you feel that way? And why is this the life you want to live or whatever you're um, hinting at? So I think that's great. And I love the sense of urgency at the end. I think that's really key because some people, they get to that point at the end and they're like, oh my God, I've already bombarded these people with so much. And I feel like I've sent people like way too many emails. So I'm just not going to like add that final email. And sometimes that final email can like make or break your fire mm -hmm. launch. Mm -hmm. 100%. I think that you really need to reframe your um, thoughts around selling. If you have a product that's great, you not selling it is a disservice to the people that you yeah. are working with. And so giving them that last opportunity to jump in. And if you're really, really squeamish about it, you can look at how you segment your emails. So um, maybe you just send it to the people who clicked on a button to go to your sales page. That means they're interested. That means they're thinking about it. That means they checked it out. So you can use your segmenting wisely. Um, you asked a little bit about data and testing. And when you're first launching your funnel, your first hundred people through it are your best data. Mm -hmm. So you want to look at which emails were opened. Uh, do you need to change your email subject lines? Um, how many people are clicking on the buttons once you're inside the email? Um, and then you can segment further. So maybe you have like, I don't know, 20 out of 100 people who don't even open the second through 10th email. Mm -hmm. You can resend them with a different subject line to just those people, not to the people who opened it, but just <laughs> to those people. Uh, maybe you've got, you know, four or five people out of 100 who are clicking every single time. But those not. are warm leads. <laughs> so can you send up a follow email, even a personal follow-up email? Like, hey, I noticed you were checking it out. Um, do you have any questions? Yeah. Because when you look at your data, if they've clicked on that three times, they're thinking about it, you know? Like yeah, they're, they're definitely interested. It's not like the sales page changed between the email yesterday. Right. <laughs> right, so if those are your warmest leads, following up with them can be um, just a really good strategy. If you're, especially if you're in the beginning of launching something that you've never launched before, mm -hmm. if you're newer to things and you don't have an audience that's just gonna buy immediately, um, that's a really great way to number one, again, to get some feedback, get some client language and to possibly make the sale. So, yeah. So at the end of the day, once your launch is done, you've made some sales. Um, do you recommend kind of, um, sending like a post, um, launch survey to people who clicked and were interested, but didn't end up buying and kind of seeing like what that was. Cause I've, I've definitely heard that that should be done. Um, and there's different ways to approach it. Some people say like, 
yeah, you can do it. Um, ask them like why and just like give them kind of a space to fill it in. And then some people say like, ask them why, but don't say other than time or money. Cause that's usually going to be people's objection. And that's not really like valid because you can make money come to you if you need to and time, you know, you can prioritize things if you really need to. Um, I would say if you're going to send out a survey, leave it blank because if they say time and money, then you know you didn't do a good enough job of showing the value. If they say something else, then that will give you data, you know, with whatever they say. So I think if you send that out and you get 10 responses and they all say 10 time or money, then you didn't communicate enough, well enough to show the value of your offer. And so you need to go back and fix that. But if you get 10 responses back and it says, you know, um, I didn't think it was a comprehensive course enough. I didn't think I was going to uh, see results. That helps you tweak little pieces of your wording and your message and your emails and your funnels, as opposed to if everyone says time and money, then you really missed it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if you're going to do that, leave it blank and don't put the except for time and money because that's good data. Like I said, if 85% of your people say that, you need to go back and rework it. And like, if that is the case, do you have any, I mean, obviously it's going to be different, but do you have any suggestions on what might be the thing you need to tweak? Is it like the copy? Is it subject lines? Like, what do you think that usually ends up being like the big thing that people are lacking when they say yeah. for money? When people say they don't want time or money, it just means that they don't believe that what you're offering is of high enough value for them to hand over their time or their money. And so it's probably your copy. Most times it's because your copy focused too much on the bells and whistles of the program instead of the transformation. Um, sometimes it's because you're bringing in the wrong leads. Okay. Your, your messaging could be great, but you're bringing in people who can't afford it and they truly can't, you know, they're, they're living paycheck to paycheck. They're barely making it. And you're just, you need to bring in people to the funnel who have some access to get the money that they need. So, um, I would start with copy and I would just read through it and say, is it absolutely clear? Have you removed any doubt that if they go through your program, if they buy your thing, and they do it and they follow through that they will see results. If you can't read your copy or I would maybe even have somebody else who's not in your business mm -hmm. read it and say, what do you think? Um, because you need to remove doubt that if they follow through, they'll get results. If you can't do that, they'll say time or money. Mm -hmm. um, so go back there first. But then if you, you know, you get some good feedback and say, yeah, it's actually really great. Look at the quality of lead you're bringing in. Is it the right person? Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Cause that's like, I think that's a, something that a lot of people hear like that's like the two objections mm -hmm. and you know, it's just like, it's helpful, but it's not. <laughs> and you're like, I mean, if you are hearing the objection of time and money over and over again, then you really do need to look at number one, are they right? Is your offer not worth the time and money? Cause I've seen that like people are asking for prices and I'm like, like, um, it, you, you work with a lot of um, service-based, like social media, right? So when you say, this is my hourly rate, and I add that up in my mind 40 hours a week, and you're making more than most top-level CEOs to be like my email administrator, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 
too much money. It's not because I can't find it or don't have it. It's because it's that task is not yeah, worth it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, have the price valued on the market yes. for sure. So you could look at your pricing. It could be that, um, or it might be something. You might be selling something that's so like you think is such a need, but you sell it and you sell it to me, and I'm like, I really don't need that. So it's not that I don't have the money or the time, but I really don't think that's something that's going to help me. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to pay for it. Um, and so you've got to go back to your messaging. Is it, is it the messaging? Is it the actual service itself or is it the pricing? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause, um, I know in my survey, I, I asked people like yes or no, and everyone says yes, they were interested, but then they always have, I'm like, well then why were you interested? You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. So I mean, a good follow-up question is what about this was interesting to you? What made you interested in this? Okay, that, that helps because then it's just, yeah, a bunch of people saying, yeah, I was interested, but I didn't purchase. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're still asking why and they're saying time and money, and then you're like, well, then why are you interested if you didn't have any money? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And some people just come into things, and that's what I look at your leads as well, because some people just come into it with a really unrealistic expectation. Like, as a copywriter, I charge a lot per project. I mean, right. a lot. Um, and it's not a VA kind of copywriter, like, it's oh, focus yeah. and sales. And so, People come to me, I would say 50% of them know that, um, but 50% of them are like, wow, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, well, one client that you get from my copy will make that money back. Exactly. So exactly. If you're selling a high-end product or maybe yeah. two, depending on the firm. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, that's like, that's, it's not just like a random thing, like, yeah. that's not going to make that person money if since you are they're hiring an expert to do it most likely it's going to make them money um and usually if it's a high-end product that's when they usually are going to hire out copywriters anyway like obviously if you have like a 27 dollars product you're probably not gonna Don't pay do me. it until <laughs> later yes yeah <laughs> hey, this is a really best seller now let me tweak the copy yes. like if you're you know you have to have some kind of um higher-end product to justify like a yeah, but there's always people who are shocked by it. I think it's just because they don't know. So you're always going to get those people who no matter what, they're like, oh, it's a lot of money. It's just because they don't see the, they don't understand the value of it. And some of those people, you will change yeah. their minds with your copy, with your funnel. And some of those people, you won't. And that's okay. They just were not the right person. You know, so you just have to really, the more you do this, the more you sh shift your messaging and you perfect it. And the more you learn which clients are the ideal clients and which ones are not. And that makes sense. And I think with objections money-wise, it's usually like memberships that I think see the biggest because they're like, it's not just a one-time thing. You're like, I have to pay this month after month after month, even if it's like 30 bucks a month, they're like, you know, that really bothers them for some reason. Mm -hmm. so I think so. I think they just don't see the value in it. It's not, it's not moving. Every membership I've been a part of, um, that I've canceled either. I didn't see the value overall or it wasn't valuable to me in that season of my business. Yeah. That makes, that makes so sense. maybe later down the road, or maybe it was something that was great that served me for my first six months, but now I just am kind of past it. And I don't need it anymore. So yeah, yeah. But I've done, I've done that too. So mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. one of those things that it's, I think it's a little harder to convert people with a membership model because it's great for you long-term because you're like, hey, recurring revenue. But like other people are like, uh, I don't know about this. Yeah. yeah. Cool. You have to have an exceptional product. And that's the other thing. At the end of the day, 
you have to have an exceptional product. No funnel is going to fix that for you. So um, you have to just constantly make sure you are always iterating and always making what you are providing of such unbelievable value that it is a no brainer. Cause there's one membership that I'm part of that I don't even use half of it, but this one section of it is so valuable to me that I'll always stay in it. Probably. Yeah. Better. Yeah. I think, I think that's really helpful. I mean, I, I'm in this one membership that is like amazingly valuable and I'm like, wow, like this is, that's not the case for everyone though. Like not every membership has that same effect on us. So it's one of those things. So cool. Now let's dive into the three questions that I ask everyone who comes on the show. So first, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? Yeah. So to me, being an entrepreneur is really about building your own thing. Um, and so I think that when you have, when you're starting something from scratch, it's coming from your brain, you're creating it, you're building it, you're marketing it, you're putting it out into the world. That's, that's like the heart of entrepreneurship. So that could be business, that could be like a nonprofit. Um, and the reason, the second part of your question was, what do I love about it? Yeah, what's your favorite part? Um, for me, I, I don't know if you know, like the Enneagram. Oh yeah, that? I love Enneagram. So I'm a seven. And okay. so for me, the freedom is just like, to me, I just love doing stuff on my terms. I love being able to go to the gym when I want. I love, um, I love being able to switch course, like in the middle of something. Um, I love getting people results. And so, um, I kind of chose that because I wanted the freedom. Totally. I, I still work like probably just as much, if not more than my full-time job, but it's on my terms. And so exactly. I like it's, that. It makes it, it makes it better for me too. I'm like, I work more than I worked at my old job, like my day job, but it was just like, it, I'm doing stuff I want to be doing. I'm doing stuff that are interesting to me and I'm doing, I'm working with people that I actually want to work with. So it's just yeah. like hundred percent better in all ways, even if it means I'm working more because it doesn't mm -hmm. really bother me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So next up, what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? Just something that comes to mind that you're like, I can't live without this. Like I wouldn't be able to run my business the same without it, that kind of thing. So the, I recently switched over to Kajabi in January and I was super reluctant because I didn't love the website interface of it. But now I'm like completely sold because everything's in one place. And it, it, now that I know how to use it, it's so simple. Um, and I'm not paying like $30 here, $40 there. Like it just is so nice to have everything housed in one. I actually wrote a blog post about it. I can send you a link. Um, because it's just, it's so nice. Like the mental energy it takes is so easy. So, and, and I just hired like a new VA. And even in that, I was like, I don't have to give her 28 different passwords. Like I can just literally like be like, here, here's like 80% of what you need. And then there's like this other little 10, 10, 15, 20%. So I love it. Do you use it for like your website, your emails, everything? Okay. Website emails. Um, like I'm running a mentorship program. So all the videos will go in there. Um, landing pages, funnels, all of that is in there. Yeah. So I actually use it too, but I can't, 
apart from my email marketing tool. Girl, I got rid of that as fast as I could. Now, I, I will say, and I, I write about this in the blog post, I feel like Kajabi is going to continue to grow and get better. I, there are things I don't love about it, for sure. Yeah. The website yeah, design, um, the email marketing took me a little bit to get used to, for sure. I used to use Active Campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, to me, it's completely worth it. Yeah, yeah. I use it for my products, my membership, and landing pages, and um so I was able to get rid of quite a few things, but I still have my email and I still have my WordPress website just because mm-hmm. uh, I spent a lot of money on that. So I'm, like, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. get rid of it. <laughs> and I didn't. I had a like self-designed Squarespace website. Oh yeah. So you're just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. For me, I'm just like, nope, nope. That's <laughs> down the drain. I'm not doing that. But I mean, it's nice because I have like, I have two set like two segments of my business. So I have like my agency part and then I have like my part that focuses on social media managers. So I was able to, they had like some deal and I'm on like the $199 a month plan and I can have two sites, two sets of products. And then each one I think gets like 25 products and like different marketing funnels or whatever. So it's like, it's it's nice to have both that I can like separate. It's more expensive than, you know, but that's, that's like $200 for two sets of everything, which is amazing. So, um, and then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? So I had like 25, I can have 25 products per um, site and you know just a bunch of different things it's amazing and it's only $1.99 a month for both of those so it's just like why not like I said I still pay yeah tool, but for me it was definitely <laughs> gonna say you're good, you're good. <laughs> uh, for me it definitely ended up saving money I was about to pay a bunch of money for click funnels and oh, then yeah. I was like second so then I found this and I was like wait this says everything and I added up again I kind of broke it down in my blog post but I added up what I would have spent and the cost of it and and it's just so nice like also just the mental capacity of like having to integrate everything (laughs) I have to do that so yeah yeah I totally agree and then lastly who is your go-to business resource just like someone that you feel always inspires you or you're always kind of like wanting to consume every piece of content or product that they put out into the world. Yeah. So I have three, maybe four. Is that okay? (laughs) Um, So I currently work with Kelly Roach and I found her on, she was on my podcast and I was like super quickly obsessed. She's the real deal, (laughs) built multiple businesses, came from corporate, just has a really different approach. So um, her podcast is called the unstoppable it's unstoppable success radio. Um, and I listen to everything that she does. Love her. Um, I have also in the past worked with Stacy Tushel and she's since rebranded some. And so I think her new podcast is called foot traffic. Um, but she's also the real deal. She just, um, has built two massive, brick and mortar businesses and then moved into the online space. Um, and then Allie Brown, um, I listened to her podcast, which is called Glambition Radio. Um, and she just thinks so differently. Um, and I am so impressed. But I, I don't know. She just, when you get so stuck in like doing what everybody else is doing, it's so nice to hear her stuff because it just gets you out of that really quickly. Um, and then of course, Gary Vee. I love him. 
Some people hate him. I love him. <laughs> so. yeah, it's one of those things like you either love him or you hate him. Um, yeah. That's just one of those people. But I think that's like sometimes those can be like really yeah. people because it's like you're either attracting who you want to attract and you're repelling who you want to repel. So it yeah. just works out perfectly. And then lastly, just tell us where we can find you online to so your website, your social channels, all that stuff. Yeah. So you can find me basically everywhere at Basic Girl Marketing on Instagram. I'm Basic Girl Marketing Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook page, Basic Girl Marketing, but I also have a group called the Well Positioned CEO. Um, and so it's brand new. I just started it because I was really tired of the old Facebook groups and just the nonsense that's in them. So I scrapped an old Facebook group and restarted one. Uh, so you could just search for that um, on Facebook. It's called Well Positioned CEO. Awesome. And um, my website is just basicgirlmarketing.com. Awesome. Yeah. I'll link everything in the show notes so everyone can go check it out. But yeah, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode dash 107. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babies Community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.